your feet. You're in the Nick Van Exit Row, a Mavs Moneyball podcast. I'm Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyball.com, lead analyst for Free Dockets on YouTube, and host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Van Exit, and of course, you can always follow Mavs Moneyball on Twitter at Mavs Moneyball. Wow, the second episode of the Nick Van Exit Row comes, man, on just a night of... It's a monumental night, and it may not seem like it for some people. Dirk moves up past Wilt Chamberlain on the scoring list. He moves back into sixth place since LeBron leapfrogged him uh, earlier. He held the spot before, but then LeBron overtook him, and then now he's taking it back. He's taking it back. Dirk always seems to be taking back things. He always seems to be the guy that has something taken from him. He has his MVP season, and that season they – you know, lost in the first round. He has the finals lost from him in 2006. He has his rookie season that seems to be, you know, kind of taken from him in the sense that he came in and just wasn't that good to start with. And he had all this stuff going for, for him overseas and everything. He comes over and he, you know, barely learns, barely knows the language and all this stuff. And he kind of has to take it back. He has to, to kind of work uphill, it seems like, all the time. And and there are, are downsides and there's downslides kind of. And he just keeps pushing back up. And that's just that's just Dirk, man. He just keeps pushing back up that hill every single time. And now that he's quite literally over the hill, you have Dirk, you know, keep pushing still. He's still pushing and he's still trying to be the best that he can be. And he's still working the hardest out of anybody. It's 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 incredible. And for Mavs fans, and I'm sure everyone listening to this is a Mavs fan. You're the luckiest, luckiest fans in the entire world because you think of some of the greats. You think of some of the great players in the NBA that's ever played. Let's just look at recent history. You look at LeBron. LeBron has moved all over the place. I don't have to tell you what being a fan of LeBron has done to some fans out there. You know, he moved to Miami and then back to Cleveland, and now he's with the Lakers doing all that craziness. You have Kobe. Kobe stands are, you know, the most loyal of any kind of, of stand out there. They're even more loyal than, you know, Cowboys fans, it feels like. But Kobe wanted to leave at one point. Kobe wanted a trade to the Clippers. Kobe wanted out. Kobe had, you know, the, the thing in, in Denver. Kobe had a bunch of things happen in his career, a bunch of, of up and down moments with his fans. Dirk didn't have anything like that. Dirk is just, man, and, and we've kind of, you know, legendized him over the last legendized. That's a great word I just came up with. We've legendized him over the the last ten years, but he he wasn't always that. He's he's become that in his consistency. His consistency just over and over again, being you know a great guy, being a great player, being a great scorer. And Dirk's career high is fifty three. Um, there are many players that have a career high. I mean, Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings. I don't know if some of you even remember who Brandon Jennings is as a basketball player, but Brandon Jennings is <laughs> not even in the NBA anymore. He was a point guard. He got drafted. Um, he famously went over to play in Italy for one season instead of going to college. This was a thing that didn't happen a lot. It doesn't really happen a lot now either, but you know, we saw Emmanuel Moutier do this. We've seen other guys do this where instead of going to college, they go for one year overseas and then come over and get drafted. And Brandon Jennings was a guy that did this. Brandon Jennings came into the NBA, got drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks, and he scored 55 points his first season. He has a higher career high than Dirk Nowitzki does. A higher career high. That's incredible to me. Just an incredible 
stat that Dirk's career high is only 53. He didn't have a game where he scored 60 or, you know, a Devin Booker game where he scored 70, where he's hitting 20 free throws or something like that. Dirk also has only scored 40 points 20 times in his entire career. I mean, th- this is a guy that is that is sixth all-time in scoring and third in games. Like, you'd think that at some point he had a crazy game, you know, here or there where he, <laughs> you know, where he would get over, you know, 53. But he never did. 53 was his career high. And scoring 40 just 20 times meant, okay, when I do this stat of the week and – for those of you that are not familiar with this podcast, I usually go on some kind of monologue type rant at the beginning, and then I do uh, segments. So I'm going to do beef of the week. I got a says uh, said says segment. Cedric Cedric Zavala says I got one of those this week uh, by popular demand. A Mavs Nation segment where I look at the I look at the uh, Mavs Nation Facebook page, and so I'm going to take a couple of <laughs> really wild posts from there that that Mavs fans are putting in there, and just take the pulse of the fan. And then I have a stat of the week. So. And then, uh, of course, we'll end with a one good thing. So uh, the stat of the week has to do with Dirk scoring 40 points. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. It's, it's incredible. You, you have to hear this stat, Dirk scoring 40 points compared to some of the other players in the league. Some of the players in the league right now have scored like an incredible amount of 40-point games more than Dirk has. But that's Dirk. Dirk's consistency. Dirk, since 1999, he's the third most in 20 point games. I think it's it's LeBron, Kobe and Dirk. Those are the, those are the three guys in t- most 20 point games since 1999. Dirk is just consistent. He's consistently going out there scoring 20 every single night. That that's what his prime was. His prime was I'm going to go out there, I'm going to get mine. You know, and, and he gets it in just a, a crazy way. And for him to pass Wilt, for him to pass Wilt is is very interesting to me because they're both seven footers, right? I, I think Wilt may have been seven two. It's kind of hard to to tell now because of the, you know the footage, and you just never know. And you know, we have players now like JJ Barea that lists himself as six one, and he's nowhere close to six one or six foot or whatever he's listing himself as now. So Wilt, you know, was seven two, seven one, something like that. Close. They're, they're close in height. They could not have been more diametrically different players, Dirk and Wilt Chamberlain, as far as how they played. If you've seen the highlights of Wilt, and that's, I mean, all I've seen, obviously. I wasn't born back then. But if you've seen the highlights of Wilt, he just overpowered everyone. He was just an automatic dunk, an automatic bucket. He was, you know, he didn't have really any kind of outside shot. He didn't really need to, and they didn't really have the three-point line at the beginning of his career either. So, or I guess at the end of his career either. Man, it's so wild to go back and to look at some of these guys that we talk about all the time. They never had a three-point line, ever, (laughs) in their career. It's pretty wild to think about, but... Wilt Chamberlain was just this overpowering guy. There's there's these legends of, of Wilt Chamberlain working out with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Andre the Giant and how he could outlift both of them. It's just, it's crazy to think about, you know, Wilt Chamberlain and how he played back then. And now to think about Dirk and how Dirk plays now. Dirk plays with this finesse. He plays with this, this kind of control over every single little thing. He's so... Uh, meticulous and maniacal about the way that he shoots and the way that he gets ready and the way that he, you know, plays and the way that he he does everything. And he's a great shooter, an incredible outside shooter. Dirk is one of the best free throw shooters in NBA history. Will Chamberlain shot fifty one percent from the free throw line for his career. Fifty one percent. That's like I mean we we clown Shaq about that all the time. <laughs> that's what Shaq shot. You know we clown him about that all the time. We don't talk about that with Wilt. 
but they're just so different. They're so different players. Wilt had these incredible physical tools. He he could leapfrog a player. <laughs> I mean, he, he was just an incredible, incredible athlete and an awesome NBA player, obviously. I'm not taking anything from Wilt. Just pointing out the differences and how, how different they are. Dirk is not the most athletically gifted player. I don't need to tell you that now. Obviously, it's very obvious now at the end of his career. But at the beginning of his career, he, he was, you know, fairly athletic. But he wasn't, like, jumping out of the gym or, you know, doing any crazy things. I mean, is Vince Carter now more athletic than, than Dirk ever was? <laughs> Obviously, that's a little tongue-in-cheek. But, but Dirk was not given these incredible physical tools where he's, like, Zion or LeBron or Kobe or Tracy McGrady or any of these guys like that, any of these wings that came out. And what he did was he just took the skills that he had and the, the advantages that he had, which is his size, just the same size as Wilt, and he used them to his advantage. He took that shot. He created the, you know, the we call it the patented one-legged fadeaway because patented, he, he created it. Like, it's his. He, he's the one that, that made it. And he made that his own, and he made that his bread and butter and just consistently went out there and did it every single night. And now we're just seeing... The fruits of his labor, the fruits of his labor, passing Wilt Chamberlain and scoring and doing it without having these incredible, crazy, huge games. Wilt, to, to even compare the two, so Dirk's career high is 53. Wilt Chamberlain's career high is 100. <laughs> it's almost 50 points more, almost 50 points more. I mean, that's almost double their career high. Just just to point out how, how crazy that is. You'd never think of Dirk as the most dominating player at one time. We look at at Will Chamberlain as the most dominating player in his day. We look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as one of those dominating players in his day. We look at, you know, um, Giannis right now. Giannis, I made a video for Free Dawkins on the Free Dawkins uh, YouTube channel about how, how Giannis is the most dominant player right now. He's scoring an incredible amount inside the paint. He just, he's Shaq. Shaq was one of the most dominant players when he was playing. Dirk was never that. Dirk was never that guy that we considered as dominant. But he was a guy that could just do it. He could do it all, and he was consistent. He was consistent every single night. He gave it every single night, and now we're just seeing that, you know, twofold. We're seeing we're seeing what consistency can do over the course of a career, and it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome to watch Dirk do this, and uh, that moment was incredible. It was incredible to see him hit that shot, see Luca come over and hug him, and and now you know it's in the record books. Will it's not going to pass him back up. I mean, somebody else will pass him probably. Uh, it'll probably be Durant or you know Harden or or something like that will come up and they'll pass him up in scoring. But Wilt's never going to pass him, so he's always going to have that. And man, this is probably the last milestone he'll have that that's like this because he's not going to pass Jordan. He'll have to average you know ten points a game for the next like eighty two games next season if he decides to come back and stay. So that's probably not going to happen. So this is the next. This is the biggest scoring milestone that that we're going to see from Dirk. So. Enjoy it. If you're a Mavs fan, go back, watch some highlights like Skin said on the broadcast. Go back and watch some old highlights. Watch Dirk just be consistent and be the you know, be the man for as long as he did. And to not have these massive, huge games, but to just every single night drop 20 on your ass. Like every single time, every single night. Dirk Nowitzki, just one of the greats, one of the best players in NBA history. And uh, he's going in the record books now, sixth all-time in scoring. All right, and this next segment is something that I like to call the beef of the week. If you didn't listen to last week's episode or if you weren't a frequent Seeing Stars podcast subscriber, this is a segment where I take a beef that maybe two NBA players have or two NBA figures have, 
and hash it out and decide who's right and who's wrong. Or I take a beef that I have with a player or an entity in the NBA and I, I go into it more and, and explain why I have a beef. So here we go. Beef of the week. I want to thank the sports writers for this honor. Hungry, looking for something to eat. Look no further than the Nolan Ryan beef of the week. I enjoyed the competition. The it was indeed an honor to face you. Beef of the week. All right, the beef of the week this week is anyone that didn't pass to Dirk when he was about to pass Wilt Chamberlain. Yes, I'm looking at all of you. I'm looking at you, Tim Hardaway Jr. You, Trey Burke. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at all of you guys. Okay, I'm just kidding. That's not the beef. But that is pretty funny. Just <laughs> think of when Dirk was about to pass Wilt and he's like right there. He's four points away. He's three points away. And you decide not to pass Dirk. What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Pass the Dirk. My beef, I have two beefs this week. I have a beef. <sighs> JJ Barea should be here. JJ Barea should be around and should be passing the ball to Dirk when he's he's passing Wilt. He should be around for these milestones. He should be playing. He should be right next to Dirk. They should be running pick and rolls, pick and pops. He should be here. He should be around. And it's just really sad that he's not. So my beef is with JJ Barea's Achilles. How dare you? How dare you take away these moments of championship teammates? Now, he has Devin Harris, but Devin Harris wasn't on the championship team. And he has Luka, so that's kind of a special... That's more of like a weird NBA father and son kind of moment than it is a, you know, this is a guy that was with me through the best times, the worst times, you know, the mountaintop with the title, the you know, the loss and, and, uh, and all this, all this stuff with J.J. Barea. And uh, I'm just sad that he wasn't able to be there. Uh, my second beef... <sighs> Kristaps Porzingis. Now, it's not with Porzingis necessarily himself. Can we stop with all of this Ross, Rachel, will we, won't we, Kristaps Porzingis playing with the Dallas Mavericks this season? I mean, when he first when he first joined the Mavericks and he had the press conference, it didn't seem like he was going to play this season. It didn't seem like that was going to be a reality for Kristaps Porzingis. It's just, you know, he wasn't going to play... Then there was that report coming out of the you know, New York Daily News that he was cleared to play, you know, he medically cleared to play. And so then we kind of got our hopes up, but but I was very guarded on that report because you, you look at it and you kind of take it with a grain of salt. You say, okay, I don't know what this guy has. You know, does this guy maybe have some kind of other motive, an ulterior motive that he could be putting that out there for? Who knows? So, and, and I don't know how much I can trust the source either. So take that, I took that as it will. But then now we have Christoph Porzingis coming and, and playing five on five, which nine days before it happened, and Brad Townsend continues to, to push this, which I find hilarious. Brad Townsend of the, the Dallas Morning News, the, the, the paper as they call it, continuing to push this idea of nine days before Christoph Porzingis participated in five on five practices. Carlisle said that he wasn't going to participate in five on five practice. He didn't know when that would happen. He didn't know that he didn't think that was going to happen this season, that Christoph Porzingis was going to participate in five on five drill five on five scrimmages in practice well that happened that happened nine days after he said it so he's obviously progressing along you know in a, in a good rate he could have been medically cleared i mean at this rate i kind of believe that he was medically cleared and that they really were just trying to figure out his rhythm and get him back into to shape kind of getting into playing shape and trying to figure out his his mo his movements and make sure his acl is strong and he's not thinking about it he mentioned that after practice one day that he's just not he's not thinking about you know playing on the acl this is the the derrick rose thing that we talked about all the time when he's driving to the basket you don't want him thinking about his knee you want him thinking about driving and attacking you don't want him to try and you know 
recalibrate just because he thinks that he, you know, the knee could be an issue. And then on Fox Sports Southwest, you know, just the other day <laughs> in a game, he was asked a question from Mark Falwell, and I'll just play the audio. I'll just I'll let you guys decide what you think about this. I know that you mentioned uh, along those lines of, well, we'll see how things go. So yeah. is there any possibility of that out there? I hope so. I, I, I don't have an answer for you. I wish I, I, wish I did. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. You don't have an answer. You don't have an answer for whether you're going to play or not this season? Man, at first we thought that it was Chris Porzingis' camp that wanted to keep him out, and then maybe we thought it was the Mavericks that just were playing it safe, and now I have no I have no idea whose decision it is. From that answer, from him saying that I'm unsure and I don't have an answer for you, for me that says that it's the Mavericks. The Mavericks are deciding, and that Chris Porzingis feels good. Maybe he wants to play, especially playing with Dirk. This could be the last time he has ever to play with Dirk on the same team, and... You know, now he is at the mercy of the Mavericks deciding if he's going to play. That's my beef. I don't know. I don't know. Will they? Won't they? Will he play? Won't they play? <sighs> Just decide. Just decide. Give me a definitive yes or no. Give me a definitive yes or no. Because just throwing it up in the air like this is, uh, <sighs> it's got me frustrated. It's got me frustrated. And that's why it's this week's beef of the week. All right. Now this next segment is a segment that I love that I did on Lockdown Mavs a couple times, and I just feel like this is the right place for it. I feel like Lockdown Mavs, I can't really uh, do this very often, but I feel like this is the correct place for me to do this. It's easier for me to produce it here. And um, it was it was, it was was asked by several listeners. Cedric Sabalos says, or what I call said says, the said says segment. Cedric Sabalos says some crazy things. If you don't know who Cedric Sabalos is, he was an NBA player for a long time, played for the Lakers, the Mavericks, several other teams. And now he is the pre and post game analyst, if you want to put it that way, with uh, um, with Fox Sports Southwest. And he says some crazy things. And this segment will just prove it to you. And this week he was a little tame. He was a little tame. I didn't hear a lot of really crazy things. Uh, and if you guys hear Cedric Sabal say any crazy things, send them to me. I don't care if it's a video with your phone or if it's the best produced, you know, a highlight clip or whatever. Send it to me because I, I want to see them because sometimes he says some crazy stuff. Not as crazy as Harp saying that Dwight Powell is one of the better three-point shooters in the NBA. That was pretty wild. But this is Cedric Zabalos this week after Dirk um, passed Wilt Chamberlain. He talked about Dirk and, and Jeffskin Wade is talking in, in this clip about how Dirk didn't have any entitlement in his career. And he wasn't a guy that came in and said, I, I'm owed this. And Cedric Zabalos came back with... Uh, with his personal experience with rookie Dirk. One of the things about it too, as we watch all this and, and see all of this greatness is he just, there's not one tiny bit about him that, that emanates entitlement. Like he had to work for everything. He wanted it. He didn't expect anything. Said, you know that better than anybody. You were there his first year. He never gave off any vibe to entitlement. And he certainly does it now in his 21st year. Well, he knew my rap song by heart. How? I don't know. Because I didn't even know it by heart. In uh, sync CDs. And, and, and you watch him and you, you watch the Luca come in and just really some of the words he really didn't understand but he knew to smile and, and that was dirk he had the you know the funny teeth the big funny teeth in the front and he would smile when he you know if he understood or if he didn't understood and and it just brought so much joy i mean you always saw his mind thinking like what like what am i supposed to do you saw him concentrate and focus all the time on the basketball court 
But when you're you watching, walk around, grabbing burgers or doing things around town, it was always a smile, a high five. And uh, even though he's a giant, he was gentle and, and you know, would bend down at any time, give a high five or a hug. <laughs> There's so many little weird things in there that I love. Um, the obvious one is the rap song. And we'll get to that because I found the rap song and I would love to share it with you guys. But after that, he said he knew my rap song, even though I didn't know it. And InSync CDs. He just mentions InSync CDs. I, did Dirk, I guess Dirk had InSync CDs, and maybe that wasn't cool with said. And then, uh, then he said, and you watch him, and you watch Luca come in, and the language, and and I don't know if he what he was trying to compare with Dirk and Luca, just the difference maybe. But he just kind of mentions Luca for no reason at all, kind of. And then he said, you watch him grabbing burgers. Which is hilarious because that's been that's become Dirk's thing. Like you're a burger. Like oh, come at me, burger. I got a burger. You know, and talk about how he can score on a guy and call him a burger. And I just found that really funny. Um, but let's not bury the lead here. Cedric Zabalos has a rap song, and I didn't know about this. Maybe some of you knew about this, but I did not know about this. It's called Flow On, and the hook is very good. I enjoyed the hook of this song, but the verses. It starts off great, and then. It, uh, I'll, I'll let you listen to the first verse by yourself. So it's called Flow On. It's with Cedric Zabalos. Uh, the guy that's on it with him is a guy named Warren G. And so you can look it up on YouTube. But let me just play for you the second verse and then the third verse because it's just, it's, it's gold. The clock is still ticking. Your booty chicken runs. Mine's a finger licking. Blood and blood and dripping. I hear your body calling. I call it with the banging. Cause my skills are in the balling. Ain't the wait for me. I get high up off my jumpers and my dunks, you see. So when the fans start to scream with the ooh and the ah, I like the bop, 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 bop. It's like. <laughs> he said. He said. Tickety talk, don't stop. Yeah, the clock is still ticking. Your booty chicken rhymes. Mine's a finger licking. <laughs> oh my gosh. Every single line in this is awesome. He said, blooding, cripping. I hear your body calling. I caught it with my banging because my skills are into balling. <laughs> Mary, then, then they sing this weird thing. It's like, Mary J. Ain't the way for me. I gets, I gets high off my jumpers and my dunks, you see? Like, see how corny it sounds when I read it out loud? <laughs> Rapping this. And my dunks, you see? So when the fans start to scream with the oohs and ahs, like the bop, 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 bop. <laughs> so good. I, man, can we, somebody needs to ask Dirk about this and say, hey, do you still remember Sed Zabalos' rap song? Because if we could get Dirk saying, tickety-tock, don't stop. Yeah, the clock is still ticking. Your booty chicken rhymes, mine's a finger licking. If we could get Dirk to say that, I would start it, the podcast every single week with Dirk saying that. It would be, I would make it part of the intro somehow. Dang, that's so funny. All right, and uh, the third verse, because the third verse just, man, it, it bops the same as the, the second verse. I think it's time to wrap this thing up. Warren G flex the cut, make it go bump it deep bump in my speaker. My speakers go squeaker. Damn, looking, honey, over there with the nice smooth features. Uh, she's on my n- Oh no, here she come. How's about it? And I owe you one. I ain't with the. Okay, so it cuts out a couple words, and there are obviously some uh, 
some words in here that I would not say personally as a white person. There are also words in here that I have no idea why they, they cut them out because this is the verse where it cut out. So I'll just, I'll just read the verse. Now, now a verse three. That's how it begins. Now a verse three. I think it's time to wrap this up. Warren G flex the cut. Make it make it go bumpity bump. In my speaker, my sneakers go squeaker. Damn. <laughs> In my speaker, my squeaker. <laughs> In my speaker, my sneakers go squeaker. Damn. What is that? In my... Man, I might be the whitest person in America, but in my speaker, my sneakers go squeaker. <laughs> I guess I have no idea. Why do you say in my speaker? I don't understand that. Look at honey over there with the nice smooth features. That's a good line. Then then this is the line that gets cut out. It says, she's on my nuts. Oh, oh no, here she comes. Nuts is the word that they took out. <laughs> they took the word nuts out of the song. I have no idea who decided to do that. This is obviously a while ago. And then what she says when she comes in, the, the female voice, she says, how about a 68 and I owe you one? <laughs> nice. Nice line said. <laughs> nice. <laughs> She's on my nuts. Oh, no. Here she comes. How about a 68 and I owe you one? That is, uh, that's quite the line. That's, qu <laughs> that's quite the line there from Cedric Zavallos. So that is, uh, that's what said said. Not only did he say that this week, he said things, you know, years and decades ago that are uh, that are still great and still gold. So there you go. That's, that's said said. Now on to the Mavs Nation segment. Ooh, the Mavs Nation is just it's one of those Facebook groups that you just have to see to believe just any opinion you didn't think that Mavericks fans could have. They have. There are people that will post just to straight up a post saying, hey, I, I want this to happen. And you just look at yourself in, in the, your computer screen reflection or your phone screen reflection and just go, how? How, Sway? How, how are there people like this that, <laughs> that want these things to happen? And this week is a perfect example, an absolute perfect example, because I found two, two different posts at different times from different people, different people that say something and want something to happen for the Mavericks that I never thought people would say. Um, this one guy, and I'm not going to name names. I'm not trying to shame people. I'm not trying to, to publicly shame people. I'm, I'm trying to, to laugh at their expense without them knowing and without you guys knowing who they are. Yeah. So that's okay. Right. I don't know. I'm just poking fun. I'm having some fun. This guy posts thoughts on KP recruiting mellow to the Mavs. And he posts a picture of, of Christoph Porzingis high-fiving with, with mellow when they were playing for the Knicks. Yes, I have many thoughts on KP recruiting Melo to the Mavs. He wouldn't have to. He would not have to recruit Melo to the Mavs. Mark Cuban would just say, hey, here's a, here's a contract. And Melo would say, oh, look, money. And he would go take it. Also, the other person that posted this exact same idea says, I don't care what y'all say. Shrug emoji. This who we need this offseason. And it's a picture of Melo in a Mavs jersey with the caption, Melo to Dallas. How is it possible that in 2019, March 19th, 2019, now March 20th, yeah, no, March 19th when you guys are listening to this, after Carmelo did what he did to the Rockets, played the way he did, that people could still be into the idea of Melo coming to your team. He's, he's not that guy. He's not the guy you think he is. Now, I, I know probably everybody listening to this understands why this is a ridiculous statement, but 
Melo is not the guy that you want him to be. He's not this catch-and-shoot kind of guy that we hoped Olympic Melo would come back for the Thunder, come back for the Rockets. He didn't. If he's not going to come back for those teams, then who is he going to come back for? Who is he going to do that for? Who is he going to step aside and, and be the guy that just catches and shoots? And, and by the way, he's not that great at catch-and-shoot right now either. So that's it's just ridiculous. And then this guy, uh, this guy, I will call this guy out because this is hilarious. And this is not a dumb thing that he said. This is something he found on one of his programs. This is a guy, Jasper, spelled with two, two Zs, Jasper. He posted this picture of the Mavs program. And it has Maxi Kleba and Daryl Macon standing right next to each other. And uh, Daryl Macon's information is listed under both Maxi and Daryl Macon. So it has a picture of Maxi Kleba right under it. It says three, Daryl Macon, guard, six foot three, 185 pounds from Arkansas. <laughs> right under Maxi. And then under Daryl Macon, it says three, Daryl Macon, guard, six three, 185 pounds, Arkansas, rookie. And it has his, it has his Twitter and Instagram too. <laughs> That's the same guy twice. And he said, Jasper captioned this, do they hate Maxi or do they hate Macon that much? Do they love Macon so much that they list him twice? (laughs) Just hilarious. I thought that was really funny. And I found that on the Facebook Nation, uh, the Mavs Nation Facebook group. So uh, some good things can be found on that group for sure. I thought that was really funny. So there you go. That's the Mavs uh, Nation Facebook group. And let's, uh, let's move on to the stat of the week. All right, the stat of the week goes like this. I mentioned it off the top of the show. It is about Dirk scoring 40 point uh scoring 40 points in a game and how many times he's done that. It's kind of it's it might be hard to follow this cuz there's just a lot of information, a lot of different names and stuff that I'm going to be throwing out there, but I'll put this on the post that I put on Mavs Moneyball. So if you're listening to this somewhere else, go to Mavs Moneyball, go to the podcast section, Nick Van Exit Row episode 2 and you'll be able to see this whole list that I'm just going to put there as a chart. The number of 40-point games scored since 1999, so Dirk's rookie season. Kobe Bryant's number one. He has 122, which is just wild. 122 40-point games. That's, that's nuts. Number two is James Harden since 1999. So that, that I mean, that's a lot of guys in there. LeBron's in there. Iverson's in there. Durant, McGrady, uh, Carmelo, who we just mentioned. Uh, Dwayne Wade. You know, a lot of dudes are in this. Shaq. Shaq is in this as far as a 40-point game since 1999. James Harden is number two with 74. 74 40-point games. So he, he's, I guess he's catching Kobe. Let's see, how many points is he? He's 48 40-point games away from Kobe Bryant. He's got time, though. He's got time. So that's number two. Number three is Iverson with 73. So James Harden actually just passed Iverson recently, uh, at least since 99. And then uh, LeBron James is fourth with 64. Durant is fifth with 55. Uh, Tracy McGrady is sixth with 45. Russell Westbrook is seventh with 42 40 point games since 1999. Steph Curry is eighth with 37 40 point games. Carmelo is ninth with 36th. And we haven't heard a name yet. We haven't heard Dirk's name yet. Uh, and I mentioned the number earlier, so I'll just keep reading off these numbers and you'll see when, when Dirk shows up. So ninth is Carmelo Anthony with 36. Tenth is Dwayne Wade with 34 40-point games since 1999. Vince Carter is 11th with 32. Anthony Davis is 12th with 30. Anthony Davis, he just joined the league, what, in 2012? <laughs> he's, not been, he's the youngest guy on this list, and it's, it's pretty wild that he's on this list. 30 40-point games since, since 1999. Gilbert Arenas, agent zero, uh, right under him with 29. Shaq with 23, Damian Lillard with 22, Paul Pierce with 21, and Dirk 
at 17 with 20 40-point games since 1999. Those are the players that have more 40-point games than Dirk. Anthony Davis, Gilbert Arenas, Vince Carter, Steph Curry, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook. I mean, it's wild. And, And I still hold true to all the stuff I said at the top of the show. It's because of his consistency that he's been so great. Uh, but it is kind of wild that Dirk never really kind of put together games where he had 40 points. I mean, th- the name right under Dirk is hilarious. It's Amari Stoudemire, 18. He had 18 40-point games, and Dirk had 20. <laughs> Man, who would have thought Amari Stoudemire on the same level with Dirk as a scorer? Stephon Marbury right under him with 16, and then Paul George with 15. That rounds out the top 20 since 1999 scoring 40-point games. That's uh, that's pretty wild. That's, that's a pretty wild stat that I thought was uh was pretty nuts as far as uh you know Dirk just he never had a bunch of 40 point games and he's just been so consistent that that's why he's he's beat all these guys in scoring except for LeBron and maybe Durant will probably pass him but it's wild it's it's wild to see and now let's finish this off with one good thing last Tuesday when this podcast dropped the Mavericks played the Spurs and we got to see Jenny Busick the assistant coach for the Mavs and Becky Hammond the assistant coach for the Spurs meet at center court before the game and it's just it's just awesome to see that the NBA has come to a place where we're hiring women just like you know you would hire a man it's just it, it's kind of the same thing <laughs> you know if they're qualified and they're good at their job which both of them are they've both done player development roles they both played the WNBA they're both great in it and now they're both you know assistant coaches for teams and Becky Hammond probably will take over the Spurs one day it's just awesome to see it's great to see in the NBA. It's it's a good thing, and I'm glad that the Mavericks and the Spurs are two organizations that are are stepping out in this and they're you know doing something about you know inclusion and including women in this. So I believe that this is a good thing, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes in the NBA, and I'm excited to see if Becky Hammond or maybe somebody else becomes the first female NBA coach because. It'll happen. It'll be awesome. It'll be a great day for the NBA. But for now, let's just celebrate that these two women have done what they've done in their careers and that they are uh, blazing trails for so many more, so many more women to try and, and do what they're doing right now. Because anytime you ever go to like a scouting camp or a sports business classroom like I did, you know, I go to a sports business classroom in, in Vegas and my class was um, probably 95% guys. I think we had, you know, a, 50 guys or something like that and two girls. And it's just, you know, seeing women like this blaze trails for others to come behind them is what it's all about. And so that's a good thing. And I'm glad to hear about it. I'm glad to see it and glad to to witness it and glad to be able to cover it. So there's one good thing. That's the Nick Van Exeter Road. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed all of the um, segments. I Let me know if there's a specific segment you loved or a segment that you didn't love. And uh, said says, I'm sure that you guys will, will love that. That was... <laughs> so good i might have to go back and listen to that song again because it's just so funny but there you go guys i'll be back next week with another edition of the nick van exa row boom boom